0: Hello, and welcome to the DC United Kingdom podcast. This is season three, and episode three, and I'm your host, James Graham. As you'll see alongside me, I have one of, if not my favorite player to pull on the DCU jersey. He started off his career in 2010, making over 250 appearances for club and eight senior appearances for the US men's national team. We have a chant for him which only goes by two words. And they are Bill Hamid. Welcome to the (laughs) show. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) So I had to get the the chant in there in the intro. It had to be done. Um, I noticed that you guys have just started your um, pre-season training, the volunteering back uh, week back. How has that been for the first couple of days?
1: It's been good. Uh, A lot of fixes, including the... uh, coaching staff the first and the second coach so you know it's an adjustment period getting to know them getting to know the new players and the new system uh the new house rules all that all that jazz so it's uh it's been good so far we're only two days in but uh we will see what we can uh what we're capable of building yeah
0: it's certainly an exciting time from a fan's point of view. Um, I know I had, um, on the show a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about his philosophy and we talked about his style of play and the fact that there's going to be a million goals this year because he just likes to have goals in his team. Um, how excited are you for him joining the club?
1: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I think, you know, a new coach, a new sort of culture way of life, uh, I guess, is going to be implemented. So, you know, it's it's already starting to take take shape, take, take its form. So, you know, I'm excited to see what he's capable of building. Uh, there's still some senior players on the team that can help lead the way with him. So uh, me being one of them, um, you know, I'm excited for what we're capable of doing. And uh, he seems like a very, very bright uh, young man. So um, I think that new fresh blood, is going to do us well
0: yeah and as you rightly said you are one of the more senior players in the team and you've gone through the life under Ben Olsen you've had that interim coach with uh, Chad Ashton there as well and now Hernan so your experience that you've had so far are you going to be using that to the younger heads in the team are you going to take them under the wing a little bit more this year or is it going to be business as usual
1: um, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm looking to step hopefully into more of a captain role. Um, okay. uh, that's my, that's my goal. So, you know, it's been a, it's been a big, it's been a big transition with the new coaching and the, the off season was uh, very long. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of these young players, they, I guess maybe they are accustomed to it with the college, with the college season, um, and how that format. Uh, takes its shape. So um, a, a long break for them should be good, especially after the, the, the crew of young players that we had that were rookies. Now they're in their sophomore year. Um, so hopefully I can continue being a guiding light for them, uh, one of the guiding lights in the locker room, um, which I I take, that, I take that on my shoulders and I carry that. And I'm open to that. But not only that, the, the newer players that are older um, and still kind of first to the team, Getting acclimated to the city, getting acclimated to the, the way of life in Washington, D.C., um, places to live, places to eat when things kind of calm down a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I, I take that on and I, I kind of I kind of bask in that in that opportunity to be a leader um, and kind of get help guys get
0: accustomed to this uh, to this city. So you've just briefly spoken about places to eat. So for you, where is the best place to eat in DC?
1: To eat? Uh, I would probably, I'd probably go with sushi. Um, and for sushi, I would probably recommend uh, a fairly new spot called Oku. Oku is okay. very close to RFK Stadium. Um, and it's unbelievable. Um mainly Japanese style food, but uh, they have, you know, other forms of Asian style uh, culinary uh, cuisine. So, you know, they have Korean, uh, they're Korean barbecue. They have, they have Chinese, but they're mainly Japanese and more so the ambience inside, the designs, the art, Mm. uh, layout, all that jazz is perfect to take family, perfect to take a loved one uh, or perfect just to go hang out.
0: Nice. There we go. There's some new spots to go to. Because that the thing that I always see, I mean, obviously, I'm not in D.C. I'm here, over here in, the, in England. I've mm. been to D.C. a couple of times, but the one place that I've not been able to go to is Ben's Chili Bowl. And I think that's quite possibly the most famous place to go to in D.C., isn't it?
1: Yeah, in terms of a landmark, not necessarily to eat, but in hmm. terms of a landmark, I think that's one of the places that you should go to kind of get a sense... Of what uh, DC is about, uh, you know the murals that they have around Ben's Chili Bowl is something that uh, a lot of people take pride in, um, and uh, obviously just the le- just just the name of it itself, uh, Ben's Chili Bowl, um, it holds a lot of weight in Washington DC. Um, their their past political stances, uh, you know, their investment in community and in the sports. Uh, sports uh, um, culture here in Washington D.C. is is very massive. So I would def I would definitely recommend Ben's Chili Bowl. It's just a landmark, somewhere to go take some photos. Yeah, and uh, be basking in the
0: city. Nice. So, moving back to a bit of soccer stuff. Um, recently we've had the new away jersey recently announced. Any takes on that? Are you a fan of the new away jersey? Better than last seasons and the seasons before? Tomorrow-
1: Marble jersey? Yeah. I can appreciate it, you know, because it's got the red, white, and the blue. Um yeah. Washington, DC being the capital of the country. Um, that definitely holds some weight. Um and I think now is a time, even though with all the injustices, all the, the diseases that going around, um, you know, a a sense of unity in this country can 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 go a long way. So You know, having put on that red, white, and blue jersey, I think is very important. And um, I like the jersey. I like it. I definitely think it's unique. Um, Doesn't necessarily represent the team and the organization and our colors. Not necessarily, but you see uh, around the world of football that a lot of teams, they change up their colors every now and then away from their natural um, club's uh, historical colors. So... It's okay, um, and I like the jersey a lot, so
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing that always baffles me, um, is for yourself anyway, the keeper jersey, you don't really see too many changes year on year. Um, and I think there was a tweet that um, Chris Seitz sent out saying about the che- how we should have a Cherry Blossom keeper shirt. Would you be up for that?
1: Yeah, 1,000%, and I think that's something that... Um, would be unique to our city. Obviously. Uh, I think if we had a cherry blossom Jersey, um, I think that would sell 10 oh. times more, um, then would be sold out at,
0: every at least, day.
1: Yeah, sure. At least in the city, um, or in this region, if we had a cherry blossom Jersey, that would sell out immediately. Um, because people like that, people like things that are unique to their own city yeah. and, something that we really really like especially the timing of it also it's it's usually at the very beginning of the spring which is the very beginning of the season so if people saw that there was a cherry blossom dc united jersey um for marketing purposes i think that's something that should. Con-
0: <laughs> it, it, it baffles me that there's never never been one i've seen mock-ups through the years but I think a keeper top would go really well because it couldn't be used both home and away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, Some of them think so. Well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, we at the beginning there, we talked about an and him coming in and the, the transitional year. From your perspective, how do you see this season going? Is it going to be a transitional year? Should we temper our expectations or should we look to be gone right to the top.
1: Um, well, my goal is to help this team get right to the top. Uh, my goal is to help this this club win a championship. It's uh, my goal for over a decade now, and that would be a dream come true for me. Being a boy from this city to bring a championship to this city. Now, in terms of where the club stands right now, um, you know it's interesting. You know, a new regime, a new set of players. Um, it's going to be interesting. You know, I think the first half of the season will will, you know, maybe tell our fate. Uh, but it's a lot of times uh, that fall, that fall uh, time frame, um, a lot of teams start to gain a lot of momentum. So uh, it'll be interesting the the goal should be to get in the playoffs and keep trucking along from there. Um, and then I think for them, uh now that they've hired a coach, uh, you know they're gonna have. I'm I'm sure they're gonna use the summer period and the, the summer movement of transit of transactions to kind of take its take its shape and see what they're capable of uh, accomplishing. Um, and uh, I think it, it'll be a happy medium between a transition year and trying to uh, go for it all. Um, so that happy medium is obviously. Uh, it's not setting your setting your bar at the top, but you know I want to be a champion. I want to be a winner. You know, yeah. second place second place sucks, and third place is even worse. So I want to be a champion.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's refreshing and nice to hear. Um, so let's take a look back when you started your career. So you said you've been wanting to bring this championship for, for the best part of a decade your debut was back in 2010 and Mm. against kansas city wizards back at the rfk can you remember that game and if you can what was that feeling like pulling on the jersey for the first time and walking out onto that field
1: uh it was very nerve-wracking i think i was about to cry during the walk out um (laughs) I don't know if it was because I was scared or if it was because I was just so honored, but it was probably a happy medium. And, you know, the game was, it was was kind of a blur. It just kind of happened. Everything I did was just mostly instinctual. I wasn't necessarily thinking. I was just doing. And, um, And that was, I remember everything about that game from the saves to the goal I conceded against Kai Kamara, who was subbed on late. Um, was a good friend of mine till this day. Um, I remember all of that, all of those moments. Um, Troy Perkins, the other goalkeeper, being the first one to come up to me and congratulate me. Um, you know those those moments, those memories will live on with any player their debut. So um, I, I take that, I'm gonna run with that debut for the rest of my life and, and tell my grandkids about that. Hopefully one day. Nice.
0: And yeah. you've made another debut for another club in between your times at dc um for those fans who don't know um bill you spent some time in europe and you spent over in denmark at fc Mm Midland. i hope i pronounced that right you did yeah that's all right i'll take it (laughs) um what was that like coming over to europe obviously a new way of life for you um and a new style of football what was what was that like
1: yeah it was an amazing experience um and obviously, that goal is not dead for me to continue rising my career. Um, you mm-hmm. know, goalkeeper kind of bloom a little later, um, and I know I'm finding pride, especially uh, with my with my technique, my positioning, my passing ability. Um, so you know, uh, that's definitely not a that's not a a, an, um, a dead goal of mine. Uh, my goal is to continue ascending and get to the top league. Europe. So, uh, to come over there and to get a sense to win a championship with FC Michelin was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, you know, it was definitely a, a big transition having, having never left home before, um, to live, uh, to live on my own. Um, I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about football in general, um, how it's different than the structure, the format that major league soccer provides. Um, and a, and then learning new systems, um, you know, a possession-heavy team, okay. a team that plays with three in the back, um, uh, a three-back system, either three-four-three three or three-five-two is what that club plays. So learning that system, learning how to be effective, and, and kind of, you know, they, they mentioned the name the the, the term uh, sweeper keeper, um, hmm. but certainly being a sweeper keeper, just being an extra outlet for your team in possession um and being capable of breaking lines uh with your passing ability um I learned so much about about those different ways of playing and um man what a growth period but mostly off the field just learning myself as a man um as a person in this world uh learning a new culture trying to learn a new language trying to adapt uh to what the universe brought to me you know that just made me so much stronger and uh Man, I will remember those moments for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, did you ever manage to learn any Danish?
1: Yeah, I did. I just forgot oh. it all. Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not an easy language to learn. Um, I remember the highs. I remember the thank yous. I remember, you know, a little bit here and there. But I just forgot <laughs> it. I got kind of gathered while I was there. So um, you know, tough language, but great, great country of people.
0: Yeah, and so. You've had, like I said at the start, you've played over two hundred and fifty times for the club for DC United. Any anything in, in those appearances that stand out you as stand out to you as a highlight? What's the best moment you've had with the club so far?
1: Um, well, two thousand and fourteen was a great year. I think we were robbed um, by the major league ref, major league soccer referees, um, to keep us out of the finals. Um, uh, Houston ended up. Uh, going through, but um, they did not deserve it. Um, uh, uh, Raphael got pulled down uh, one-on-one with the goalkeeper from behind, and they gave him a they gave the center back a yellow card, kept him in the game. So, 2014 mm-hmm. was a highlight for me. Okay. Um, uh, winning the Open Cup was a massive highlight, obviously, to bring a, a league cup, um, uh, which is what they call it in the UK, not necessarily a, a Premier League. Or yeah. sorry, uh, soccer championship, but you know to bring the to bring the uh, Open Cup to the club was massive. You know to do it away also to do it at Real Salt Lake, yeah. very tough place to play, a very possession heavy team, um, and we held the fourth down to win one nil off of a Lewis Neal ma- uh, match winner. So uh, those were some massive memories, and I think every single day, every single day uh, walking into the club, walking into the changing room. Uh, meeting new people, uh making new friendships and relationships that have lasted till this day. Um, you know, uh, and then seeing how the club connects to the city itself. Mm. Um, all of that has been a highlight for me. And um, you know, it's been a big part of my life and the reason as to why I am who I am today.
0: Yeah. And and you rightly say it every day it, it seems to be getting better for the club as well. When we look ahead to the summer, we've got new training facilities coming in. How cool is that going to be to have something dedicated and specific where you've got not just DC United, but you've got the spirit and you've got Loudon United there as well?
1: Oh, I think it's long overdue, obviously. Um, you know, uh, the RFK and um, the, the training pitch at RFK did us well for a very long time. But I think that um, I think that it's long overdue, something that other clubs are, already have established um and i think that would help the trajectory of our 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 play on the field um without having a training facility that just holds our play on the field back and um and uh i think that's something that we need to expedite <laughs> if we um um but you know it's something that i know the ownership has worked hard on i think that they um deserve a lot of credit for the changes that they've made coming into the club uh, helping a stadium get over the line. Um, and now, hopefully, uh, getting this training facility over the line and opening it up for all three teams to continue to grow and it, for it to help grow soccer
0: in this region. Yeah. So, speaking of stadiums, what was better to play in the RFK or Audi Field in terms of RFK. atmosphere? RFK, yeah?
1: Yeah, I'm going RFK on this one. But, you know, I'm, I'm an experienced one, so <laughs> some may or may not understand why I'm saying why, what I'm saying, but RFK holds a special place in my heart. Uh, the stands at Audi don't bounce like the stands at RFK. Um, RFK is a big open circle, um, and it is in a very unique area in the city that I think a lot of people have appreciated, even though a lot of people also thought it was quite dangerous, Um, but you know, it's just like English football, you know, some places have their stadiums right in the heart of um, their toughest neighborhoods or some of their grittiest neighborhoods because it builds that sort of mentality um, that it's gonna be a war zone when you walk into this arena. And I kind of appreciated that and um, you know, no knock on Audi Field, beautiful arena, and and also a very thriving part of the city. So, I'm just thankful that we do have a new arena that fits the standards of what professional footballers should be playing in.
0: It's it's a beautiful. Unfortunately, I never got to experience RFK, but obviously the amount of times that people have spoken to me about it, I can imagine. Obviously, watching the clips on YouTube and highlights, yeah, like that, you can just see and the way that stand bounced how how is that past any health and safety
1: <laughs> i don't know every time <laughs> I was, like a new raccoon ran out of there so it was um it was uh it was very unique uh, the stands never broke but uh they they gave the fans something that you know was they couldn't find that in another stadium and i think that was just special
0: yeah. it's been fantastic um we're going to move on to the getting to D, getting to know DCU section. So this is getting to know you a little bit more about your soccer career, but more importantly about you, Bill as a person. Right. So first up is, I know we've kind of already spoken about it, but how long have you actually been a professional soccer player for? Since
1: 2009.
0: Since 2009. So it, t- yeah. it took you a little while to make your debut. Then, cause you, that was in 2010.
1: Yeah, it took me a year. Um, yeah. I signed in 2009. um, And from there, it was just everyday repetition, training with the team, working. Uh, I was only capable of playing uh, CONCACAF international matches at the time we were in the Champions League. So, uh, because I believe we won the Open Cup the year prior. So, um, those matches I was able to play in, major league soccer matches I wasn't. So, it wasn't until 2010. Uh, A new coach came in, Cardinofo, and he gave me the opportunity to play May 5th.
0: And what a time it was and what a career it has been since then. Um, I mean, the next two questions I normally ask, I don't need to ask because it's just DC United related stuff. Um, But to you, obviously, a, a local lad growing up playing for your hometown team. What makes DC United special? So for the fans who aren't from DC and who are new to the club, what makes them so special?
1: Uh, The history is one thing that makes it extremely special. Um, You know, the people that helped build the foundation, of this club makes it a real, real uh, brother and sisterhood. Um, You know, there are so many people that paved the way for this club to, to thrive in its early stages to continue building, to make its ties within the community. Um, and the ties within the community are massive. So, you know, you, outside, just you even outside of D.C., you know, when you think about in D.C., uh, the Black community, the Latin community, uh, the, uh, the, uh, okay, so the Caucasian community, all the communities that are based in this city have some sort of tie to, to, to the club in some way, shape, or form. Um, because of the the connections that the club made early on, um, and that was a very beautiful thing to see and to kind of to kind of learn throughout the years. Because there are so many people in the city, whether they are a lot older and they work in restaurants or they work in their neighborhood at a bodega or something along those lines, they have some sort of they have some sort of recollection of the past. Um, somebody from their country that played here, Uh, you know, I know people, Bulgarians that um, in this area that remember the time of Storchkov, Uh, I know, I know Bolivians that uh, still think that Jaime Moreno is on the team. Um, (laughs) um, There's the African community um, uh, have a lot of respect for how um, they gave an opportunity to Freddie Adu at a very young age. Um, you know, and then you continue traveling outside the city, um, into Alexandria and whatnot. And, uh, the Honduranian community, um, they, they are, they are the same. They really appreciate, um, this United, uh, helping create the legend that is Andy Nahar. Um, you know, so, um, uh, every, every community that I know around this area has some sort of tie um, to the to the area and Ben Olsen obviously has been a massive uh, catalyst for uh, this community to really tie into DC United um, and Dave Casper has as well has been a massive catalyst for bringing in players that represent uh, the mixing pot that is Washington DC. So um, I think that's the the most special thing about this club
0: that is something that is something else i love that every little bit of what you said the community aspects it's just it's something yeah. very very nicely um your squad number number 24 at the moment isn't it yeah any reason why you've chosen that number
1: um well i chose it because of kobe um kobe bryant yeah. but um my number was 28 28, uh, is B is the second and the the second and the eighth letters of the alphabet are B and H. So that's why I had 28 from the beginning from 2009. Uh. On. Um, but when I left for Denmark, uh, Joseph Mora came in and he chose 28 as a squad number. Um, I tried back from him. I tried to, I tried to give him gifts. I tried to beg him. Um, but he said he has an emotional tie to the number. It's his mother's favorite number. Yeah. Uh, so let me know that. Uh, I just I just said, man, Joseph, man, keep that and run with it. And I respect you so much uh, for doing that for your mother. And um, uh, and I chose 24 uh, for Kobe Bryant, one of my favorite athletes of all time. Uh, so uh, I'm taking 24, and I'm a, I'm gonna have that black mamba mentality anytime I step on the field
0: never knew that about 20. I never put the two and two together to for the b h that's there you go you've le- I've learned something new on on this show um so going in players from the past or the present if you could play alongside anyone right now who would that be and why um I would probably take uh
1: I'd probably take. Well, I played with Jaime. Yeah, 2009. So I'd either take Jaime back or I would take Eddie Pope because Eddie Pope would help. Eddie Pope would help lock up this defense. Um, you know that leader mentality, uh, that that tough tackling, strong in the air, uh, communication to every every single line in front of him and around him um that would be a beauty to play with we do have that but just to see how he kind of uh took his teammates held them accountable and led the team from the back was special as a young kid Mm. and um I would also I would also take Jaime um because Jaime's ability to find the back of the net without necessarily even having to just kick the ball as hard as possible or smash the ball through the net um his placement his placement was fantastic you um, just you just knew which way his body was moving, which way the ball was coming, and how to manipulate the ball without smashing it and keeping it away from the goalkeeper to find the net with ease with comfort and um that that ability you don't find very often it doesn't just come around um, and, it, and it's hard to it's hard to find in the marketplace for players so uh, if I was if I was to take two, it'd be both of those.
0: Yeah. I mean it's he certainly certainly a diamond in the rough because his previous club, which is the team I follow here in England, Middlesbrough, he didn't do that great. But somehow yeah. he managed to find his feet in MLS and has become different one of the legends.
1: Sorry? You know, different environments, you know. Yeah. Um you know, Middlesbrough, were they in the Premier League at the time?
0: Uh we just got promoted.
1: Okay. You know, it's different environments, you know, that's a big transition to make, yeah. you know, from the at that time to Middlesbrough, you know, obviously they saw the talent, they saw the, uh, the ability, um, yeah. and the potential, uh, but maybe it just didn't pan out, you know, for some players right. they thrive in, in some leagues and some players they, 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 they and in, in other leagues they don't thrive. So, yeah. you know, it is, uh, but I bet he, I bet he and Middlesbrough were better for that, um, for that uh, relationship.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, whenever I speak about Jaime Moreno to fellow Borough supporters, it there's never a bad word said about it, even though he didn't have the best of times at the club. He was, yeah. he was always like a bit of a cult hero in essence, which yeah. I think it's just, yeah. it's so nice. And yeah. every, again, I've people I speak to who've known him personally. He's such yeah. a nice guy. And I th-
1: yeah, but it's it's also good that he's he's on the, he's from the other side of the world. He's from yeah. Bolivia, so you know, giving him that opportunity, he can now fly the Middlesbrough flag over in Bolivia. You know, um, you know, the young Bolivians will know about Jaime Moreno. Know that he played in the Prem with Middlesbrough, and and that's a that's something that gives them motivation to hopefully play for Middlesbrough in one day themselves. You know,
0: yeah. I wouldn't say no to that right now, especially with the way we're playing um last time I looked we were getting beat 1-0 by Coventry city not good at all um so next next one is always a good one um because it's about uh, fantasy six a side teams so but over here it's quite a big thing it's a very massive recreational sport um so I'd like to ask who would you have in your six a side team and we tend to go with obviously the keeper two defenders midfielder and two forwards
1: they have to be from the club say that again they have to be from the club
0: no no literally anyone this is your fantasy team
1: okay I would have um I would have Pepe because he's not afraid to all back and kick the living daylights out of somebody (laughs) um uh, and I would have um unfortunately Van Dyke because I'm a Manchester United fan um -hmm. Then I would take um, two midfielders. I'd probably go with Ronaldinho and... Um, i probably go with Ronaldinho and Seedorf. That's uh, Seedorf. And then six aside. So just one striker, right? Indeed. Um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Van Nistelrooy. Van yeah. Great player. Yeah. Amazing.
0: Have, yeah. Now, there, there's a few names that have not cro- cropped up on this. Pepe yeah. has never cropped up. Van Dijk has multiple times.
1: Yeah.
0: Seidorf hasn't, and Van Nistelrooy definitely hasn't he. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. two people are, Some people are too commercial. I mean, they go with the <laughs> regular. They don't know football too much, you
0: know. <laughs> I mean, it's usually Messi, Ronaldo, Mbappe. I want to keep that wanted to keep
1: them out you know was, yeah. those are too commercial you know I wanted to, I want to dig in the crates a little bit <laughs> yeah Find some yeah
0: right I mean we're still going on soccer side things but um, we've t- talked about highlights previously but what for you has been your greatest game I mean for me your greatest game with in recent memory anyway was a game against Toronto um, back in 2008 18, i think it was was 2008 it might be 2019 because it was when we wore the white shirts for the first time and i think you saved like about 35 efforts or something hmm. like that and kept the clean sheet what's been your top game for you personally in terms of I think any particular great saves or anything like that
1: um i would either say new york red bulls there's been a couple games where i've completely had blinders there was one game in the play actually the game in the playoffs where i had a Uh, where I got a red card was a really good game. Um, I was quite well. Um, and, um, there's another Red Bulls game I could think of in the playoffs, uh, where I had a, against, um, an amazing save against Dax McCarty. Um, but I would probably say the game against Montreal where we had one shot on goal. Um, and we won and we scored by the way of Chris R- Rolfe, yep. and um, and they had I think fourteen shots, and I kept it. I kept a, we, cut, we kept the clean sheet. <laughs> so, um, you know, that would probably be one of my favorites. You know, having one shot on goal for the team, but then, we, but then we still walk away one nil winners. That's uh, that shows you the resilience of of the defenders and of myself.
0: And that's efficiency up top. <laughs> exactly 100% <laughs> <great>. <laughs> okay so we're going to move away from soccer now um, so what hobbies do you have outside of soccer what do you do
1: uh, I'm a boxer uh, I do a lot of boxing um, huh. yeah a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, boxing work I think helps me uh, in terms of my strength and my quickness my core strength um I'm a big foodie, which maybe isn't the, be- the best. Um, so I try a lot of restaurants. I'm big in the cu- the cuisine scene here in the city, uh, and um, and then I do DJing also. I, I, I like uh, playing music. I like listening to music, um, music different types of music, and um, uh, I like the the art form of DJing. So, you know, I have, I go on long walks. I got my dog right here. So I go, on, I like going on long walks around the city. Um, and those are just some of the things that, or most of the things actually that I do mm. in my free time.
0: Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Now, yeah. you just said you're a big foodie. So you just go to restaurants, but do you cook yourself? Nah, man. Huh? <laughs> you just spend, nah. spend that money on going to restaurants instead, then.
1: Nah, my, my yeah. girl. My girl does the cooking. I just sit there and smell it, <laughs> uh, and so, and inhale while it's in the process, yeah. yeah.
0: So, what is your favorite
1: cuisine? Then? Um, I'm probably just gonna go with Italian. You know, a nice homemade Italian meal with with a glass of wine, a, a nice Italian wine um, is is really the end all be all for me. know. I also really like African food. Also African food has a uh, great flavor. It's quite heavy, um, mm-hmm. but great flavor. Um, and, um, and it's very unique. I think a lot of people that try it uh, really like it. And that's both West African and East African food. Okay. So the, the, those scenes are big in Washington, DC, um, especially the East African cuisine scene. Um, it's based around a lot of uh, well, they have this this dough called injera. They 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 call it injera bread. Okay. Um, and a lot of vegetables, um, a lot of peppers, um, sweet, uh, not always spicy peppers, but sweet peppers, spicy peppers if you want. Um, tomato-based uh, sauces with different types of meat in them, um, lentils, um, uh, salads. So it's it's quite healthy in a sense um and there's places like i'm looking out of my window and there's a place right here
0: <laughs>
1: you know uh, it's very popular it's a very big scene in this city so um it's something that i enjoy.
0: nice so and again you've with your hobbies you said you you like your music you dj so if you were stranded on a desert island and you only had the one album to listen to for the entire time you're there what album would that be and why
1: uh, I'd probably take a Bob Marley album with me because you gotta keep a if you're stranded on the island you gotta keep some form of so uh, <laughs> that's a great way of of remaining happy while you're pissed off that you're stranded on the island so yeah it'd well, be happy if you're stranded I don't know but that just that's just happy music to me
0: so yeah yeah I mean, that's island, think about me. this island could have a nice chair It could have a coconut you could be sitting there and just have a nice yeah. drink.
1: Yeah, and to be perfect with Bob Marley music,
0: exactly. Why not?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, right. Next section of this is called "This or That" questions. So, you got two options. You got to pick the best. First one is Neuer or Allison. Neuer. No, yeah. uh, I mean, after now knowing that you're a Man United fan, that makes that makes sense. Well, yeah. I mean, he is the the original sweeper keeper as well. Yeah. Is yeah. Unbelievable. Um, next one. Now, I'm, I'm not so sure how you're going to go with this one because you're a local lad, but would you rather beat the Red Bulls or win MLS Cup? MLS Cup. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to go with that.
1: Yeah. But you got to beat them on the way, so. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, and again, this next one, I don't know how you're going to go because you've said both words. Is it soccer or is it football?
1: Um, it's football to me. Um, but every once in a while, I stink the word soccer and stuff. So.
0: Oh, that's so nice to hear someone, an American, yeah. using the word term football. Um, Shutout or clean sheet? Clean sheet. <laughs> I still don't understand why it's called shutouts over in America. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure one day we'll find out. Um, now this is going to be a tricky one for you, Bill. Um, Devin McTavish or Dave Johnson?
1: No, I'm going Dave
0: on this one, man.
1: All day. Uh, Devin has. <laughs> oh, Devin-, bless Devin.
0: He's never yeah. been picked for this one. No, he's no. got no. <laughs> I mean, Dave is a bit of a legend, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. I love him. He's absolutely awesome. Um, cool. That they were nice and quick for this and that questions. Final section: the teammate questions. Now these always bring up some uh, corker of answers. There's some brilliant stuff in this. But being a music music lover like yourself, who's got the worst taste in music in the dressing room?
1: Um, mm, Felipe. Yeah
0: yeah it's really bad uh i just heard
1: it heard it like two or three days ago in the gym and i kind of wanted to kick his phone out of the dock i was like what is going on here (laughs) like your music is absolutely terrible um but he's like a little older um and his music um his music his music kind of mirrors his personality uh and it's not a bad thing it's just like not like what gets you going um so it's okay it's everybody's different um but it,
0: it, it, yeah. So just moving slightly away on a little bit of a tangent, what music gets you going for, for a game? What do you put on to get you uh, in the zone?
1: Honestly, there's, there's a few different genres. Um, but if I'm, if I, if I want to get going, I got a playlist that I make that consists of guys like Drake, Rick Ross. Um, I like a group called jungle. Um, they're out of California, um, and yeah, uh, hip hop music stuff that gets the blood pumping, hmm. um, you know. And uh, some African music to different parts of Africa that I really enjoy hmm. their their music. And uh, yeah, I like the e- I like the Eagles. I like um, um, OAR. OAR is a group out of Maryland, a rock group out of Maryland. Um, so. Um my my music my music uh faves kind of vary in terms hmm. of genre. So
0: yeah. yeah. I found out um Ernan is a rock genre fan. So hmm. um, you may you might have some rock in the rock in the room. You never know. Um who's got the best sense of humor?
1: Um, I would probably I'd probably say, uh, is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, is kind of funny. Um, I think the kids are funny too, man. The, the three Moses, Griffin, and Kevin. Just hearing them talk and hearing their, um. Uh-huh. Not that not that they're immature, but just their their youthfulness. Uh, I think that 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 kind of gives everybody a nice giggle. So um, I give them the sense of humor because the rest of us quite they, we quite get serious way too often. So
0: yeah,
1: I, I give it to them.
0: Yeah, are you are you finding that they're saying words that you just don't understand as well?
1: No, I, I understand it because I'm I kind of I well we all grew up in the same area, you know yeah. the. the so, so I, I understand the lingo somewhat, um, but others, some no. other
0: people at all, uh, yeah, Fair. kids, kids. <sighs> um, so this next question is thrown up one particular person, um, throughout the entire season and series that we've been doing it. Who's got the worst fashion sense?
1: Mm, Chris Seitz. Oh, He's he's, he's a dad. He's a dad of five. Uh, So (laughs) there's no, there's no, there's no flat. There's no flashiness to that. Oh, there's like to, to being a, a real dad, you know, like, you know, it's like straightforward. It's like, I know what I'm wearing. You know, there's not really like, I'm about to, I'm about to be swagged today. You know, like there's, you just doesn't got that, you know, doesn't have that, so ain't nothing wrong with that. Just ah. if you're talking fashion sense, you know, like, yeah, I'm going with sites on this, yeah.
0: One. Have you found now? Obviously, we've got a couple of fairly new dads in the team Steve Bam Bam, Julian mm-hmm. Russell. Has have they been moving towards that style of clothing now?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah, it happens. <laughs>
1: Fatherhood is just changing their whole mindset. It's no longer about how stylish I look. It's about how stylish my kid looks. So, <laughs> you know, like, well, it's quite understandable, you know. Um, but, you know, we're, we're not really judging the locker room, so it's all good.
0: Um, any of the players in particular a bad dancer? Um. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I haven't really seen these guys dance yet. Nah. No, last year wasn't a year of a lot of dancing in the locker. Room, so no, <laughs> like,
0: there was a lot of separation, wasn't that?
1: Yeah, there was a lot. There wasn't a lot of dancing outside the locker room either. So we're going to have to pass on this question. I don't know who's a bad dance. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So just going on, obviously, what happened last year with obviously the pandemic and the separation, what was that like for you? Um, compared to obviously being in the locker room with the whole squad. We, from what I know, you've been separated into three or four different players per area. Am I right in saying that?
1: Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Um, for everybody, you know, obviously trying to keep our families safe, keep ourselves healthy. Mm. Um, Without, without going in, without having the capabilities of even getting gym equipment, and so on and so forth, it was very hard. To see people dying um, at an at an alarming rate um, was quite difficult. So coming back together kind of gave a slight sense of normalcy and helped us. I'm sure I'm sure helped a lot of players around this country psychologically or around the world psychologically to just get back around people, be social, talk, have a support. A supporting, a supporting cast, uh, because everyone was dealing with a lot. Everyone around the world was dealing with a lot during these times. So yeah. um, it felt good to get back in and to, you know, uh, get close to the guys again.
0: Yeah. Um. So, I mean, there was a bit of a serious theme to that. So I'm going to go with the next that on the next question. Who's the most serious in the in the dressing room? Felipe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he just won't stop training. <laughs> you know obviously he's trying to come back from a knee injury right now oh. I respect what we're going through but sometimes he just got to sit down man he's just training too hard like he's, he's training way too hard he's just destroying his body. but you know though the more you train the better you perform and um and I respect him for that
0: yeah i think if i remember right he said you were the most serious in the dressing room
1: yeah when the when the whistle blows i'm i'm a killer so i don't mm. really there's no really no time for smiling. Even on the pitch you know, for training, I don't really smile a lot because it's time to work. Um, so you you might catch me here and there, maybe a, a little smirk on my face, a little smile to spread some love. But um when it comes to performing or on the in training, I'm I'm barking a lot. So uh, we've noticed that's that's <laughs> my kind of how I move,
0: you know. We 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 noticed you are quite loud, especially the fact that there's being no fans in the in the grounds. We've noticed you we've heard you. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been good. It's it's like having our own commentary. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um last question let's end it on a bit of a bit of a fun note. What's the most embarrassing moment that's happened in the dressing room?
1: Mm. The most embarrassing moment for who? For everyone,
0: for, for anyone, yeah, let's have a bit of fun. Um, I think
1: uh, I think once somebody was trying to park their car. Um, I think it was a, a staff member was trying to park their car in the parking lot in mm. the morning, and um, and I, don't, I guess they were just tired or just wasn't driving properly. But then they, but then they came in and. And said that they got in an accident with somebody's car in the parking lot. Ends up being a player. We go out to look at the car. And he's completely scraped the whole side from the front to the tail of their car. And we're just like, no way. Like, how do you manage to do that? Like, that's embarrassing as a staff member. You just just banged up your whole side of the car and a player's side of the car. And it was in a parking lot. Like, how do you get in an accident with a parked car in a parking lot? It just makes a lot of sense. So, um, you know, that's probably one of them. Um, there's been some pranks, some flexol in the underwear pranks every once in a while. Um, somebody put some clothes in a cold tub and then put the clothes into the freezer. Uh, so by the, by the end of practice, um, their clothes were completely frozen. Um, there was once during, the, in the past, uh, there was a crew that would if anybody had to wear designer shoes to training, like really, really high end designer shoes over a thousand dollars, they would take the shoes and find like a very, very high area, uh, close to the locker room at RFK. And they tie them, you know, how you throw shoes on the, on the electric cords in the street, they would tie, they would tie these really expensive shoes with the laces on this high. So they would need a ladder to go and (laughs) climb up the ladder and then tie the shoes. So that used to be popular. Um, a lot of pranks. Um, yeah. Roaches. Whenever we'd find roaches in RFK, somebody would take them and um, leave them in somebody's cleat. Uh, so whenever they were putting on their cleats for training, they'd mush a roach. and A dead roach, by the way. A dead roach in their oh. shoe. But they take off their, their cleat, like with that, and find a, a dead roach. So um, I think I used to be a, a, the culprit most of these times. So... Than some of my old pranks and uh I probably won't be bringing them back anytime soon. Oh, come
0: on. You've got to. Let's go kind of have a bit. There's no roaches at Audi Field. Yeah, true. I mean, that would be a bit scary if we found roaches already there. Yeah. Yeah, I'd Yeah. Be yeah. Nah, cool. Well, that's the end of the questions. Um As always, I want to ask uh, if there's um, a message that you want to give to the fans for this 2021 season. Well,
1: just want to, I just wish we could play in front of you guys. I hope that uh, everyone's doing well. Everyone is healthy and taking care of themselves. Um, you know, keep hope alive. If you're going through something right now mentally, it's a tough time for everybody. So, um, you know, tap into your spirituality and continue uh, taking care of your health. And uh, I promise we're going to get together soon. And when we get together, that's going to be a beautiful day. Fans and players alike at Audi Field. Uh, representing the city, representing ourselves, and this club. Once again, it's something that I look forward to, and I can't wait to see all you season ticket holders. Uh, Shout out to the Brava, Screaming Eagles, all the fans of old, all the new fans. Uh, When we get back together, it's going to be a special day. So, uh, you know, we're going to be on the field this year, performing uh, to the best of our abilities, leaving our hearts out there, and uh, and I'm going to be one of the catalysts leading the way so if you can, keep us in your thoughts, keep us in your prayers and, uh, and vamos united.
0: Couldn't have ended that any better myself. Um, thank you, Bill, uh, for coming on to today's show. It's been an absolute blast having you on. Literally you. My, one of my favourite players at the club right now and pretty much of all time up there with the likes of Jaime Moreno, um, It's you, you are a club legend in my eyes. Um to the fans out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in if you're watching on YouTube. Um, and until next time. bye United.
1: Ne-